Uh, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you now um, crying out for your presence. Lord, declaring your faithfulness, remembering your goodness. Lord, you've shown so much to us and we're so grateful for that. Lord, I pray for, for this church family, for each of us here, Lord, for those that need to hear a word of peace, a word of encouragement, Lord, for those that need to be reminded that you are with us all. Lord, would your word speak to us now? We ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, back when I was a kid, I remember uh, going on family vacations uh, in the days before there were GPSs in our cars. You remember those days? Uh, and my parents would do this where before we would leave, they would buy these giant road maps. Do you remember those? Where they would start like this big and then you would just like keep unfolding. And by the time you were done, you like couldn't really see the road because there was so much map. Um, and sometimes they would get these and, and it wasn't accurate or like a road was closed and you just kind of had to figure it out. And that was like, that was life, wasn't it? Like that's how you just, you just figure it out. I don't even know how I would survive in that world. By the way, I tried to find some of those maps. Uh, I went to like five gas stations today, and they do not sell them anymore. The road map industry is not doing well. I'm, I'm sorry to report. Um, Judy and I, we can't even figure out the maps on our phones. Like consistently, whenever we are driving somewhere, I will ask when our next turn is, and she will tell me that we just missed it. Like we are not good. We would not have survived the old days. We would be just stuck at home. But today, that's kind of the reason of our time together, the reason that we're doing this series that you just saw, The Pathway to Purpose, because for us as a church, and for you as a follower of Jesus, this is what you need, isn't it? Sometimes we need this, this reminder of where it is we're going, this roadmap, this vision of what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower, where we are going as a church, and where it is that we believe God is calling you. And so we're doing this, and we've spent the last couple of weeks exploring this idea, and and we've been calling this this discipleship pathway. And on this pathway, actually you're going to see an image of it, uh, this discipleship pathway, we've identified six things that we believe God has called everyone who claims to be a disciple a follower of his. Because it was made by pastors, they all alliterate. So they all start with G. There are six Gs. This idea that to be a disciple, to follow Jesus, to experience his grace, to grow in our faith, to make an impact, these things need to be taking place for each one of us. And we've said this, but it's, it's worth repeating that the purpose of this series is not to give you six more things on your to-do list not to make you feel guilty that you're not doing enough. These aren't things that we want from you. It is something that we believe God wants for you. That these rhythms, these habits, when you incorporate them into your life, your life will change. Your relationships will grow. That you'll be blessed by the presence of God growing in your life. And so that's what we're doing. Last week, we looked at the first two Gs of this pathway, gathering for worship, the significance of what it is we're doing right now, of singing praises to God and hearing his word proclaimed. And then we talked about sharing the gospel as well, about taking what God has done in our lives and bringing it to the people who have not experienced that amazing grace. If you missed that, you can 
catch up online, go to our, our YouTube channel or our website. But today, our focus is on the next two G's that we see on this path, uh, uh, the two G's that fall under this heading of grow in faith. But what it is to grow in our faith as we look at what it means to grow spiritually and this idea of connecting in groups. And so two sides of what we're looking at today about our individual habits and disciplines and rhythms with God, our life with God, and our life together. Individual and corporate aspects of growing in faith. And I feel like I should give a disclaimer because as some of you know, I'm the pastor of groups here at Chapel Street. And so I wanted this to be like a 90-minute sermon, but I'll try to be disciplined. But that's where we're going today. That's our goal, to, to look at these two rhythms and for us to examine what place we have in each one of them. So if you have a, a Bible with you, we're going to be spending most of our time in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to bounce around a little bit, uh, but Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to start. Uh, this is uh, Ephesians 3 starting in verse 16. This is Paul writing to the Ephesian church. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is a pretty good prayer. And so today we're going to be examining what these words have to do with this 6G life that we're talking about. We're going to talk about life with God and life together. We'll start with our life with God. Back when I was uh, a kid, I remember there was a wall in our house that became the measuring wall. Did you have one of those? I don't know when we started doing it, but, but whenever my brother and I thought that we were growing taller, we would go to this wall and we'd get the ruler out and they'd mark, my parents and I would, would my parents would mark the uh, height and, and the date and I would get so excited when I had become taller because it meant that I was growing. In fact, I remember specifically the day that I became the tallest person in my family because it is one of the greatest days of my life. <laughs> I was so excited. Like it's, it's giving my life to Christ, Married and becoming a dad, they're kind of close there. And then shortly below that, it's becoming the tallest person. And then right after that, it's when people would call the house phone and they stopped thinking I was my mom and they started thinking I was my dad. Like, that's how you know you're growing up. That was great. But this is what we see, not just here in our Ephesians passage, but all throughout Scripture, actually. That to be a follower of Jesus is about this everyday walk. It's this process of maturing. It's this life that is to be marked by growth. This is the reason behind this third of our six G's. And, and this is language that our whole church is going to be hearing this weekend. Under this idea of grow, that as followers of Jesus, we understand that God wants each of us to grow spiritually. We know that the primary way that we grow in our relationship with him is through scripture and prayer. God wants each of us to grow spiritually. And the primary way, the, the foundation for that growth is scripture and prayer. Let me read a couple of verses uh, that talk about this idea. This is 2 Peter chapter 3. This is how this letter ends. It says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him 
be glory both now and forever. We see this too in Ephesians chapter four, just a little bit after that prayer that we just read. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. This is what we believe is God's desire for each of us that calls Chapel Street Church our home. That we would grow spiritually. Paul, back in his prayer that we looked at in verse 17, refers to this as being rooted and grounded in love. And what he's doing here is using two metaphors to make his point. Asking you to think about the roots of a tree and the foundation of a home. Saying that if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to mature spiritually, it is not just about your outward actions not just about what is seen by others. It is about a growing, deepening, maturing relationship that gives life with Jesus. We see this all throughout the life of Jesus himself. If you've studied the Gospels, maybe you've noticed this, how so often sandwiched between these incredible actions that Jesus does, between his miracles and calling his disciples and these incredible teachings and healing the sick, there are these little moments where he simply goes off to pray. I want to show you just three of those. There's a lot more than three, but but I'll try to keep myself grounded here a little bit. Uh, This is Matthew chapter 14, and I want to just note for you what's happening in these verses that we're going to read. So Matthew 14, uh, John the Baptist has just been killed. Later in this chapter, he's about to feed the 5,000 and then walk on water. And so this is this huge moment of, of both grief and power. And in the middle of it, what does it say? When Jesus heard what had happened, that's John being killed, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Mark 1, uh, verse 34 and 35. In Mark 1, Jesus is just getting started. He's calling disciples. He's healing people. He's performing miracles. He's about to heal someone with leprosy. And in the middle, what does he do? It says, Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. One more, Luke 5. Luke 5, Jesus has called his first disciples. He's healing people. His fame and power is growing. He's about to uh, heal the paralyzed man who gets lowered down into the roof. You remember that story? What happens in between? The news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Do you see the pattern? This is what the authors want us to see, that for Jesus, his public ministry was fueled, empowered, rooted, and grounded 
and the love of God his Father. For Jesus, there was nothing better for his soul than to sit in the presence of God. And this is the point, that if Jesus, the Savior, fully God, fully man, if that guy relied on and built rhythms into his life to be nourished by the love of God, then how much more must we? If you want to grow in your faith, this is the foundation, the the roots that must take hold in your heart. You must build into your life daily, consistent rhythms where you can sit in the presence of God. The same way that we have been created to need food every day and not just once a week. Your soul needs more than this. This is good. This is wonderful. We just talked about that last week. It is not enough. We must build into our lives these daily habits. And the primary way, not the only way, but the primary way that we do that is spending time in prayer and reading his word so that our hearts and our minds and our souls are refreshed and recentered and regrounded in his love for us. When we do that, according to Paul, what happens? Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. He writes, To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Those of you that have uh, gone through the rooted program here at this church might recognize this, but one thing that we have our rooted groups do uh, is chart out their spiritual growth over the last year of people's lives. So think about that for, for you, just for a minute. They have to do it in front of other people. You just have to think about it. How would you do that in your life? If I were to ask you over the last year where you've been at and where you are now with God, what might you chart out? We hear all sorts of answers when we ask this question. For some people, it looks kind of like a roller coaster where it's, you know, one moment is great and then the next moment is terrible and and for a while I'm doing really well and I'm in my Bible and I'm loving my neighbor and then things kind of just fall apart. For other people, they describe more of a heartbeat where sometimes there's some activity, but if I'm being honest, there's a lot of the time where it just kind of feels like nothing's going on. Others still describe uh, kind of a a three-step forward and two-step back kind of faith where there's a lot of effort, a lot of activity, but it feels like I'm not really getting that far. I've yet to hear someone describe uh, a faith that is just up and to the right. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) Doesn't seem like life really works that way, though, does it? I love the way that Paul ends this prayer that we're looking at. I haven't read these verses yet. This is verse 20 and 21. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He who is able to do immeasurably more. The word that he uses there is is literally superabundance. Scholars think that Paul made that word up. 
It was almost like he, not enough words are possible to describe what God can do, and so he just added the word super in front of it. Like no one would read a comic book just called Man. That's kind of what the is at. And so what Paul is doing here is, is showing and trying to describe God's power and, and trying to uh, explain to us and explain to the Ephesian church that God's desire is not just for you to receive salvation and then wait around to go to heaven. God wants to do more. He wants to give you more. Not in the sense of making you wealthy and healthy. That's not what he's promising. He might want that, I don't know. But what he's saying here is that God wants to give you more of himself. He wants you to experience more of his love. He wants to fill your mind with more of his wisdom. He wants you to grow in the way that you think, in the words that you speak, and the way that you act to become more like his son. This is what we mean when we say that God wants us to grow spiritually. He wants you to look at your life one year from today, and he wants it to look something like this, where it's not perfect. It's not always easy. There are moments where it feels like nothing's happening, or it feels like maybe I'm even declining, and and maybe I'm struggling, and maybe I'm stuck, but overall, I can see the way that God is moving in my life. God is doing more. No longer am I so anxious about the things I can't control. No longer do I hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. No longer am I reliant on my ability to be enough. God is doing more. This is what Paul is trying to teach us, that the only way that you find more of God is giving God more of you. There's no secret. There's no Christianity 201. There's no graduating to this next level of faith. If you want more of God, you must be rooted and grounded in the places that God shows up. And the primary, not the only, the primary ways that we do that is rooting our daily lives in time spent in prayer and reading his word and saying, God, where are you today? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to do in my life? This is God's desire for you that no matter where you're at in your faith journey, even if you've been a Christian your entire life, he is not done with you. There is always more. Okay, that's our first rhythm. Life with God, growing spiritually. We'll look at the next one here, life together. Life together. Again, this is uh, what our whole church is hearing this weekend. Listen to this under this idea of connecting in groups. As followers of Jesus, we know that we cannot live the Christian life on our own. We make it a priority to connect in groups in order to encourage one another and to pray for one another as we seek Christ together. This is what Paul is talking about in, his, in uh, this prayer that he gives. He says that, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We see this again in uh, chapter 4. <clears throat> we read this verse. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body, 
of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. In other words, growing in our knowledge and love of God is not just something that is done individually, but it is something that we do together. We were not meant to live life alone, and we are not meant to have a faith journey on our own. Now again, as a pastor of groups, let me give you my plug. I think all of you should be in a group. And not just because it's gonna make me look good in front of my bosses. We have so many groups that that meet together. We have men's groups and life groups and women's Bible study groups and, and they go through life and they support each other in all these incredible things. But I recognize that I am biased. And so let me give you three reasons why I think I'm right. Three reasons that community matters for the follower of Jesus. Number one, community matters because we are relational people made by a relational God. Relational people made by a relational God. Recently, um, a research group from Harvard University released an 80-year-long study uh, that was all based around the question of what does it take to live a happy and healthy life? Anybody hear about this? It took 80 years, and and they studied people all those years where they watched them grow up, and they watched them start careers, and have families, and get sick, and go through the ups and downs of life. And, And they looked at this under the lens of what does it take to live well? What is the good life, and how do you get it? And it's fascinating because they found after these 80 years that the number one indicator that the key to living a good life was not your financial state, not the status of your career, not physical health, but rather the quality of your relationships with other people. Now contrast that to our world today. Earlier this year, the U.S. Surgeon General uh, released a report that said that we are living in an epidemic of loneliness quality connections with people across every generation is down. The number of people that report that they have zero close friends has quadrupled in 30 years. They said in their report that the effects of loneliness, which half of our country is reporting, can increase the risk of premature death at the same level as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. This is why I love the wisdom of God, because this idea that researchers have spent decades trying to prove shows up in the second page of the Bible. Genesis 2 says this, that it is not good for man to be alone. You and I have been created for relationship. We are relational people made by a relational God. The Gospel of John uh, talks about this idea in the very first words of the Gospel of John. It says that in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus was and is with God, and he makes his dwelling among us. That's all how it was always meant to be. 
We see this in John chapter 15, Jesus telling his disciples that they are not his servants, but his friends. Maybe you've heard that old preacher joke uh, that Jesus' greatest miracle was being an adult man in his 30s with 12 close friends. This is what we see here. This is something that the church has understood from the very beginning. We looked at this in Acts chapter 2 a couple of weeks ago, this description of the early church, the first Christians that ever lived, and some of their habits and some of the things that marked their behavior. And we saw this in verse 46, that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. From the very beginning, there was what we're doing now, there was worship. And they met in homes, they met in groups, they shared meals, they broke bread, they were in relationship with one another. This is in our DNA as people and as a church. We are, cre- we are relational people created by a relational God. It is the order that we were designed to live in. That's number one. Number two, I'll go quicker. Community matters because we need to be truly known by others. It matters because we need to be truly known by others. Proverbs uh, 27, we just spent the whole summer in the book of Proverbs, and we looked at this one, uh, one of our weeks. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And then Philippians uh, chapter 1 in verse uh, 27. Hang on, I'll find it. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Recently, I was talking to uh, someone on our staff uh, who told me that the 10-minute drive uh, from her house to church is the 10 minutes of the week that her family fights the most. She didn't know why, but it just feels like every week to the point that one week it didn't happen and her daughter asked if everything was okay. (laughs) But we've all been there, haven't we? I know there have been times where, where Judy and I have come here to lead you in worship and to preach the word, and we have been so mad at each other. And we walk in, and you all ask how we're doing, and everything's fine. Some of you are feeling a little bit uncomfortable right now because that's what happened to you today, and I'm making it awkward, aren't I? It's fine. But this is why community matters, because in a gathering like this, it is not possible for all of us to truly know what's going on in each other's lives. There's 75 or 80 people in this room today. It can't be done. This is where I'm going to try to push you a little bit. Because I am convinced that one of the greatest things you can do in your life and the greatest things you can do in your faith is to get yourself in a group where a person can ask you how you're doing and you really give the honest answer. Not the church answer. Not the safe answer. You need people to know if your marriage is struggling. You need people to be praying for you when you have a big doctor's appointment coming up. You need people to watch your kids when an emergency happens. You need people that know if you're struggling with temptation that can encourage you and walk with you in that journey. It is something that you need. 
and something that will not happen in a room like this. It happens in circles and in homes and around meals. All of us have a need to be known and kept accountable by others. This is what community does. It encourages us and points us back to Jesus. Number three, community matters because it offers us strength and comfort. It offers strength and comfort. Uh, Around this time of year, actually almost exactly two years ago to the day, um, Pastor Andrew and I went to California for a preaching conference. Uh, And on the last day of that conference, I woke up and I looked at my phone and I had about 20 text messages and 12 missed calls all from my wife. It's normally not good news when that happens. She's never tried that hard just to tell me that she loves me, which is unfortunate. (laughs) And so I call her back and I I ask what's going on and she tells me, oh, I'm on the way to the hospital. And my water broke. And I'm 27 weeks pregnant. And the doctors told me I'm not coming home until the baby's born. And so I respond very calmly, okay, let me pray for you. We're gonna be okay. No, I freaked out. That, was, that day took years off my life. I was so stressed because I was in a different part of the country. I spent all day trying to get home and I found an earlier flight and I, I drove like 100 get going from Midway. It was not safe. But finally I got there and I felt so bad that I couldn't be there for my wife in this crazy thing that was happening. Do you know who was there? Two people. My mom, because moms are great. And that's what moms do. But do you know who was there at the hospital when I got there? waiting, asking what it is that we needed, ready to help. It's my small group leader. Ready. Showing up. Asking what it is that our group could do to surround us in that time. That is what family, friends, community offers. People to pray for you when it is the last thing on your mind. People to make you dinner when it is the last thing that you have energy for. Community shows up to give us strength when we don't have enough. To give us comfort in our darkest and scariest moments. Solomon talks about this in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. This is why community matters. Because each one of us has and will fall. We will all need strength. We will all need to be comforted. And you need your community before that happens and not after. Community matters because it's how we've been created. Relational people by a relational God. Because we, pe- we need people to sharpen us, to keep us walking on the right path, because we all go through times where we need strength. Here's the last thing I'll say, and I'll be quick, I promise. Community matters because the people sitting around you need you just as much as you need them. It's not just about what I can get out of it. Not about finding the perfect thing for me. It's about what I can bring to others, what burdens I can bear, who I can show up for. 
We need you. So, this is the life that we believe God has invited each one of us to. This is what it looks like to mature spiritually, that we need both of these rhythms. We need a vibrant and personal life with God, and we need a growing, strong, Christ-centered life with others. So today, as uh, we close, I just want to ask you just a simple question for you to consider as you go out, as you go to dinner, as you continue with whatever your weekend holds. As you think about these disciplines of grow and of groups, what's your next step to take on this pathway to purpose? What's something that you can do to grow in your faith? Maybe for you it's starting a Bible plan, Maybe it's scheduling prayer into your life. Maybe it's signing up for a group. Maybe it's just asking a friend to meet you for coffee so that you can tell them what's really going on. All of us have been called and invited into this life with a God who can do immeasurably more. So let us be people that seek him more and more each day. Let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you that you have invited us into this life with you. Lord, that over and over you have shown your, your goodness, your faithfulness. Lord, that you have forgiven us, that you have showed up for us. Lord, that you are our community and that you have given us this church family as well. Lord, I pray that you would give us clarity. That you would make it clear to each one of us what our next step is, what we can be doing to seek you more and to find more of you in our lives. I pray for those that have been hurt by others, that they would not give up on relationships with your holy people, or that you would remind us of our need for you, and that you would give us gratitude, that you are there each and every time. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, If we can be praying for you, anything going on in your life, something you need to support the care of your community, uh, we'd love to do that. Our prayer team will be here at the front in just a moment. If you came prepared to give, you can do so on your way out or online as well. So thankful to those of you that worship in that way. Receiving now today's benediction. Would you go in the name and the power of your Lord Jesus Christ? Would you go in a deepening knowledge and love of just how high, how wide, how long, how deep his love is for you, surrounded by the love of his holy people. Amen.